land of the free, the foundational ideology of any democratic nation. Democracy is our focus of today's episode. We were not talking about the characteristics of a democratic nation or beliefs, or even how our present-day democracies work. Today we talk about how to kill a democracy. This is Miriam, Jonathan, and Eddie with you on today's episode of Face of Fascism. Liberty, equality, freedom. Those are the basic ideals of a democracy. Since the colonists of North America revolted against their British oppressors and the third estate of France demolished their monarchy, democracy was born. But what kills it? There are more ways of destroying a democracy than sending armies to the streets, storming media stations, and arresting politicians, as Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini discovered in the 20th century. Understanding how these infamous dictators succeeded in destroying their democracies is the best way to answer today's question. Democracy is the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. But what happens when the people don't see that their democracy is crumbling? In order to destroy a democracy, one must remove multiple political parties, free elections, rights of the citizen, independent courts, and free press. How did Hitler and Mussolini do this successfully? Benito Mussolini was the first to dismantle his nation's democracy and replace it with a fascist dictatorship. It took Mussolini about five years to become a dictator, whereas it only took Hitler about one year. In the early 1920s, the Italian middle class feared the rise of socialism and communism. They did not want to end up like the Russians with their property being seized and their religious rights taken away. This is why Mussolini and his black shirts gained the support of the people. They fought against socialists and communists in the streets of Italy. The upper class, who also feared a red revolution, took notice of this and recognized Mussolini as the man who would be able to save them. In 1922, Mussolini became the prime minister of Italy as a result of the March on Rome. In 19, and in 1923, the new electoral law was passed. This law stated that whichever party gained the largest share of votes also gained the majority of the seats in parliament. In 1924, the black shirts abducted and murdered Giacomo Matteotti, the leader of the Socialist Party in Italy. This was a missed opportunity for the Italian king to get rid of Mussolini. The election was held after this and Mussolini and his fascist party won the majority. Soon after, the laws of the defense of the state was passed. This dissolved all political parties except for the National Fascist Party. Basic liberties were suspended. The press and radio broadcasts were censored. Mussolini's political opponents were arrested. And all independent labor unions besides fascist-sponsored organizations were shut down. By this time, Mussolini had complete control over Italy. Hitler's rise to power was similar to Mussolini's in that he and his Nazi party had to gain the majority of the parliament, or in this case, the Reichstag. This begins with the Reichstag fire on February 27th to 28th in 1933. Marinus van der Lubbe, a young Dutch communist, was accused of setting fire to the Reichstag. It is not known if this is true, but there's evidence that Hitler's stormtroopers actually did it to convince the people that they needed protection from the communists. This led to President Hindenburg signing the decree for the protection of people and state, which allowed police to arrest any suspected terrorists and gave the federal government the power to override 
State Police. On March 24, 1933, the Enabling Act was passed, giving Hitler the power to pass laws without the approval of the Reichstag. The Center Party, or the Catholic Party, were allowed to continue Catholic instruction in schools if they agreed to keep their nose out of politics. The stormtroopers were let loose in Germany, violently targeting communists. Camp Dachau, the first concentration camp and training facility for the SS, was established. In 1934, Hitler had Ernst Röhm, the head of the stormtroopers, murdered because he wanted the stormtroopers to replace Germany's military force. The SS took over all police responsibility in Germany. Finally, President Paul von Hindenburg died a natural death on August 2nd, 1934. This made Hitler the chancellor and the president of Germany. He banned all political parties besides the Nazi party and banned all independent labor unions. In one year, Hitler seized control, complete control of Germany and became a dictator. Continuing on what Eddie talked about Hitler, Starting with Germany on January 30th, 1933, Hitler was appointed the leader of the country's largest political party. Five years before, he was a political nobody. A decade before the Nazis received less than 3% of the vote in national elections. But the elections held in 1932, they won 37% of that vote. Six months later, Hitler was in power. He seemed to come out of nowhere. How did he do that? What helped him? The appointment of Hitler as chancellor was legal and constitutional. Some thought he would be easily controlled for his lack of political experience, and some thought his responsibilities in office would lead his, him to a conservative path. They were all very wrong. Hitler's popularity stemmed from the major economic crisis that has driven Germany into a Great Depression after World War II. Hitler offered voters a vision of a better future. He projected purpose and dynamism. He would revive the nation's crumbling industries. He would crush alien ideologies that plagued the nation. He would make Germany great once again. Germany had everything that makes a democracy. Strong political parties, legislative institutions, a lively range of news newspapers and magazines that spurred public debate. Hitler was able to use these characteristics of democracy to destroy it. He led the political party that beat others used legislative institutions to gain power, and used the freedom of the media to spread propaganda. Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's most famous propagandist, states in his speech, A Storm is Coming. Adolf Hitler is knocking at the gates of power, and in his fists are joined the fists of millions of workers and farmers. The time of shame and disgrace is nearly over. The good old days of party bigwigs are over. A new Germany is coming, a Germany raised on the Spartan laws of Prussian duty. It is Germany not grown fat, but one that is starving. It is Germany with strength, with will, and idealism. It is, Germ it is a Germany that is done with Marxist betrayal and bourgeoisie white gloves. Propaganda at its finest. While, while Goebbels' propaganda helped Hitler, the, ma the major turning point on Hitler's path in becoming dictator was what Eddie pointed out was the burning down of the Reichstag. A Dutch anarchist was found guilty of the burning of the National Parliament building in 1933, but the Nazis portrayed it as a terrorist attack by the Communist Party in a nationwide conspiracy to take power. The government declared a state of emergency leaving Hitler in power in which he would renew until the end of his rule in 1945. 
This enabled Hitler to diminish all aspects that make a democracy. At the time Hitler was rising for power, competing political parties were dramatically divided. Germany was in depression, the people were hopeless. Using the democratic system, Hitler took power and destroyed democracy from within. The process happens gradually. It is not like one attack that just ends democracy. It is a process that makes it easy for people to not see what is going on. This explains why the people of Germany did not see Hitler's rise in becoming a dictator. There is no single moment, no revolt, no declaration of law, no suspension of constitution that visibly shows that a regime is becoming a dictatorship. The way to kill democracy is not at the hands of generals, but of elected leaders who manip manipulate the very process that brought them to power, leaving behind a dictatorship. So, as Miriam and Eddie stated, the vast and multiple steps that Hitler and Mussolini took to become dictators and effectively destroy the democratic systems that were in place in their current countries, it wasn't always smooth sailing for the two of them, Mussolini and Hitler. So, some of the problems that Mussolini faced was his radicalism and the levels of radicalism that he would uh, go to in uh, promoting and making the fascist party in power. A lot of local black shirts and local fascist leaders in Italy questioned Mussolini's radicalism and his effectiveness as a leader. Um, like Eddie said, the murder of <clears throat> Giacomo Matteotti was especially controversial because he was only a moderate socialist leader. He wasn't a communist, he wasn't anti-fascist, and he wasn't anything of the sort so it made people question what the fascist party was representing what the fascist party was representing and what the actual aim of the fascist party was now it wasn't until 1925 that Mussolini took responsibility and apologized for the incident uh, but it, over that time it did leave a, a huge uh, stain and a huge uh, hole in the fascist party now Hitler faced not uh, a facet of problems one of them being the stormtroopers at the early term of the not uh, early start of the Nazi party, the stormtroopers are a huge asset. But over time, they started becoming a huge liability because, <clears throat> excuse me, because the leader of the stormtroopers was, like Eddie said, trying to take over the military of the Germ of the German Republic. Now, another problem that Hitler faced was, as Eddie said again, Paul, uh, Paul von Hindenburg. Now, Hindenburg needed to die. That way, Hitler could take control of the chancellorship and the presidency and join the party as one. Now, <clears throat> by, by, now when that, when that uh, happened, of course, Hitler became a dictator. Now, the, one of the questions that we have is why was it able to work in these countries and not others? Mainly, two countries at the time that were trying to become a, uh, had fascist movements and trying to overthrow their democracies were Britain and France. Now, the problem with France was, unlike Germany and Italy, they weren't deeply affected as deeply affected, excuse me, by the Great Depression that hit Italy and uh, Italy and Germany. Therefore, their economy was much more stable and much stronger, able to withstand any sort of. Uh, political uprising and political threat. Now, there was also a real and imagined threat of a revolutionary left that would take place in the country. Uh, there were vast amounts of interwar corruption scandals and uh, representatives of those parties. Um, however, though, in France, fascist ideologies and proto-fascist groups were not unknown at the time. And also, being that the political landscape in France was deeply divided, it wasn't easy for fascist leaders 
or fascist uh, groups to find something to unite a vast majority of the public population to come and join this fascist movement. Now, also, the uh, the German threat in France was a huge factor, being that Hitler and what he was doing in Germany caused a huge scare in France. It caused France to become scared of fascism and what it was actually represented of. Now, another uh, iconic name was in Britain, and that name is Sir Oswald Mosley, who lived from 1896 to 1980. He was the British, Britain's fascist party leader. He started the British Union of Fascism in 1932. He visited Mussolini and Hitler on several occasions, and he was convinced that the future of the world was fascism. Uh, in 1934, uh, he attacked hecklers at a rally. <clears throat> in uh, in 19... In 1936, the Take Action Public Order Act was passed because of Mosley and his fascist party's constant actions of violence. It banned all political uniforms, regardless of what your political party represented. Um, when uh, Mosley actually visited Hitler, he started growing this new sense of anti-Semitism, and he became more violent, and it showed. Uh, now, the reason why it failed in Britain was because there was no, one, there was no powerful communist destabilizing group, so the communists were still a, a huge party in Britain. Most British voters weren't, weren't willing to leave their current political groups. Uh, law enforcement was paying heavy attention to far-right groups, mainly the MI5, and during the World War II, Mosley was put under house arrest during the duration of the war, so in effect, Britain lost its fascist leader, therefore they had no no one to look to and no one to turn to in guidance for fascist for the fascist party in britain so in countries that it failed it's prevalent why and in countries where it succeeded it's clear that hitler and mussolini had a plan to take advantage of the democratic systems in place and that's why they were able to become dictators and effectively kill their democracies tying this all together we realize that killing a democracy is possible. Hitler, Hitler and Mussolini were, not, were the, not the only ones who were able to kill their democracies by being elected from the democratic system. They're a warning from history. In Venezuela, Hugo Chavez was a freely elected president, but he used his soaring popularity to pack courts, blacklist critics, subverting free media, and eventually eliminating presidential term limits so he could remain in power. In Hungary, Viktor Orban used his party's majority to rewrite the constitutional and electoral rules to weaken opponents. These are only a few examples in modern history about killing democracies. There are no tanks in the streets, constitutions, and democratic institutions remain in place. Elected officials maintain a thin decorative covering of democracy while dismantling its substance. This is how democracies die, slowly and concealed, almost invisible steps. People do not realize what is happening. They believe they're all still living under a democracy. This gives rise to a very scary question that, that we'll end today's episode with. Is the reason that, that democracies are vulnerable to destruction because of the system itself? If so, how vulnerable is the American democracy? Thank you for listening to The Face of Fascism. Tune in next time.